Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, in, in some areas, I know we got to, you know, we, we've had to do things a little different. But you know what? The gospel just keeps going out. We just keep preaching the word. <laughs> Isn't that good? Philippians chapter 2. And we've been on this series, Name Above All Names. And uh, we've uh, ministered over the last couple Sunday nights. And we want to continue with this tonight. This is so important. Uh, on Sunday mornings and, sun- and Wednesday evenings, we've been talking and dealing with the Holy Spirit, Sunday morning being skilled in the flow, and then Wednesday night, what the Spirit says. And we'll continue with that as long as the, the Holy Ghost would have us there. But the Lord has really had me uh, focus in on these, uh, if we could say it this way, uh, uh, doctrinal issues, pastoral issues that we, we have to get a clear grasp on. And the name of Jesus is one of those things. Uh, when you deal with the name of Jesus, in essence, what you're dealing with is our authority. In essence, what you're dealing with is our right to exercise that authority. And in Philippians chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the name of Jesus carries authority in three worlds, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. All right? Then in Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 1, thank you, Father. You're believing with me tonight, right? Ephesians 1 and verse 17. This is a a prayer that Paul prays, but notice that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 17, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named. Not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. One translation says, over every ruler, every authority, every government, and realm of power in existence. This is important because it says, notice, 
that he was seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above, and it names all the, the principalities, the powers, the might, but here it is, and every name that is named. Is that right? Well, we saw in Philippians it says that Jesus was given a name that's above every name. And now here in Ephesians it says that he was seated at the right hand of the Father and given power and dominion and authority over every ruler, over every authority, every government, and every realm of power in existence. And the King James says, and over every name. That's important. Because Jesus has been given a name above every name. And we've been given the legal right to use that name. A legal right to use His name. E.W. Kenyon was preaching in Philadelphia and he was preaching on the name of Jesus. And he's got a, a ter tremendous book called The Wonderful Name of Jesus. Just a little book, but a great book. And he made the statement that while he was ministering, a uh, lawyer came up to him and he said, uh, Dr. Kenyon, it appears to me that what you're saying is that we have power of attorney in the name of Jesus. And he said, well, you're the lawyer, tell me, is that what I'm saying? And he said, well, yes, that is what you're saying. And he said, well, how powerful is the power of attorney in a person's life? And he said, it is as powerful as the name behind it. Right? Well, he said that we've been get, Jesus has been given a name above every name, and then we've been given the legal right to use that name. Amen. You remember the old David Ingalls song on the basis of the blood? On the basis of the blood? Right? And, and one of the courses says, uh, now we have the legal right to use Jesus' name on the basis of the blood? Look at Mark 16. Hallelujah. Because the Bible tells us over and over again, and we've touched on this, in other parts of this series, so you can certainly order the CDs or go online and get them or however you need to do it. But uh, we've touched on this concerning the name of Jesus and the legal right to use that name and realizing all that's in the name. Very often the Bible says that it says, do all things in the name of Jesus. Everything. In the name of Jesus. You know, very often, the most, very often with many believers, the most they use Jesus' name is in praying over their food. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now, that's not you because you're mature believers. But Jesus' name is not the end of your prayer. You're, you're emphasizing something. Father, we're doing this and we're doing it in Jesus name so when you pray for instance you pray over your food and you say father we thank you for this food and we declare that you bless our bread and our water and you take sickness and disease from our midst we declare no deadly thing will kill us right and this food is blessed in Jesus name that just was the seal of authority on what you declared this will not hurt me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what happened? 
the authority of the name went into whatever could have hurt you in that food and overcame it and took the authority of sickness and death and disease out of that food and blessed it for you. Glory to God. So when you say in Jesus' name, you're taking authority over the thing that you're asking for or praying about, right? Do you see that? When you say in Jesus' name, no germ, no virus, no sickness will come near me. And if it does, the moment it touches my body, it dies in Jesus' name. You've just taken the authority away from that thing to affect you. You understand? Hallelujah. Because it's the exercise of authority. When, when you declare, when you declare my family, my children, my grandchildren are saved in Jesus' name. You're shifting the balance of authority in their life. Right? The light will shine to them. Somebody will reach them. Somebody will, will witness to them. Somebody will, because you've used the name. Hallelujah. I told you the story about the man that died. And, and it was a horrific accident. And he died and he went to heaven. And they showed him around heaven. Now, I don't, I don't believe all the heaven stories, but this one bore witness with my spirit. And they were showing him around heaven. And they came to him and said, uh, you got to go back. He said, I don't want to go back. And they said, you got to. And they said, why? And, they, and it was a relative, a female relative, said, she's praying for you and she's using the name. You got to go back. Wow. Now, you can believe whatever you want to believe about that. But the Bible says that in the name of Jesus, that you'll heal the sick, you'll cast out devils. The name of Jesus carries authority in heaven. And to just say, as no other name does, is an understatement. It is the name that moves heaven. And when you say, in the name, all of heaven comes to attention. Because that is the name that changes everything in your life. Glory be to God. And so when you say in the name, you're, you're saying all that you represent, I'm asking for that to come into my life. Everything that Jesus was as a man, the name is in our lives. Doesn't just represent it. It is everything Jesus was walking the earth. That's what He gave to us. When Peter and John walked by the man at the, at the temple gate and he looked to them and to receive an alm, and you'll remember, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. Scholars have said that in many ways that can be translated this, but who I have. Yes. Now, whether you believe that or not, it's is irrelevant. He said, What I have, I'm going to give you. What do you have? The name. So what did he give that man? He didn't give him healing. He gave him Jesus. And when he gave him Jesus, he gave him healing. Oh, glory to God. And so that's why the Bible says, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm there with you. Why? Because the name's here. And if the name's here, he's here. I'm, I'm not just here physically. My name is here. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so when the name shows up, Jesus shows up. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, 
Be healed. It's just like Jesus laying hands on that person because the name was invoked. When you say in the name of Jesus, finances, you line up. It's just like Jesus is working on your finances for you because the name has went to work. Glory be to God. That's the name and all it represents. Thank you, Jesus. Did you ever find Mark 16? <laughs> I wanted to give you time. Hallelujah. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. They shall cast out devils. And we could say this. In my name they will speak with new tongues. In my name they will take up serpents. And in my name, if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And in my name, they will lay hands on the sick. And in my name, they shall recover. Oh, glory. Do you see this? Now, some say, and I just said this for the sake of teaching, that this should read this way. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Well, whether it should read that way or not, the important thing is in the name. When we realize that all we need is in the name, then something happens. We will quit trying to obtain those things and just recognize they belong to us. There's things you have to quit trying to obtain and just recognize that through the name they belong to you. Amen. I, I, I know, well, here's the prices. I know they got grown kids. Because I've known them all their life almost. But, you know, when my kids come to my house, I've never had one of my adult children ask me, can they go in my refrigerator? Their mindset is, I'm a steal. I'm coming in. Right? Amen. And, and they get in my refrigerator and eat my food. Yeah, right, and go home. They recognize what's in a name. You know, the neighbor kid doesn't come over and do that. Because they're not in the name. They don't have the name. That it, doesn't, it doesn't belong to them. Right? What belongs to us is in the name. I don't have to pray for it. I don't have to work for it. It belongs to me. Right? This is not a prayer. There are things that Jesus did not tell us to pray about. He said in the book of John, he said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll do it. Is that right or not? Notice he didn't say, pray about it three or four days. He said, you ask anything to the Father in my name, and he'll do it. The Amplified Bible says, in my name and all that it represents. Oh, glory be to God. And, 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 and. When I looked at that in the Greek, Jesus said this, and if he doesn't have it, he'll make it. God. Now people will say, but there's nothing God doesn't have. It's emphasis. It's the power of the name. Yes. Jesus is saying if there's anything that you could possibly have that asked for that the Father doesn't have, if you ask for something he doesn't have and you ask for it in my name, He'll create it to make sure that he, you get it. 
That's the power that's involved in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. So we'll quit trying to obtain them and just recognize they belong to us. Amen. Whatever it may be, freedom belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. Deliverance belongs to you. It's, it's just mine. It's part and parcel. Hallelujah. Notice John, 1 John 1. 1 John 1. Am I helping you? Oh, glory. I feel like preaching tonight. I'm coming. Praise the Lord. Like the man said, I can preach of a drop of a hat and drop it myself. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was, uh, uh, every year, of course, this year was a little different. We do a, uh, a camp meeting in uh, Ellsworth, Kansas at the state correctional facility. We've, we've been doing a camp meeting there for, what, 10 years, Marie, or more, 11, 12, something like that. And, uh, but in any event, for a long time. And, uh, uh, of course, we have a, a Bible school there, and, and the guys all know us. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you for a reason. I, I get to preaching, and, 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 and I love it. And I was preaching one night, and I was preaching on redemption and righteousness and, and freedom from guilt and freedom from shame. And, and the Holy Spirit's just moving. And all of a sudden, this guy stood up about three rows back, big, huge black guy, and he goes, Preach, white boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, then the Hispanic congregation got a hold of that, and I was preaching to them, and one guy stood up and he goes, Predica, bueno! Amen. <laughs> Preach, white boy. So, hallelujah. You can call me pastor, but... Uh, amen. 1 John 1 and 9. Notice what it says. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about sin, but the message Bible says He will be true to Himself. If we confess our sin, he'll be true to himself and forgive us and cleanse us. So understand this. The very moment that we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive them. Is that what it says? So on the same grounds, when we confess that Satan has sickness or lack on us, Jesus is faithful and just to deliver us of that too. On the same grounds. When I confess, Lord, I've missed the mark. I missed it. I ask you to forgive me. Instantly, he forgives me. When I say, Lord, this sickness, this lack is attempting to overwhelm me in the name of Jesus. I ask for your help. He cannot help but be true to himself. He'll deliver me from that as well. Amen. Amen. Faithful to deliver us. Look at 1 Peter 2. Faithful and just to deliver us. We're talking about all that is in the name. I told you uh, a couple Sundays ago that when you write a check off of your account, it doesn't take any faith to send that check because you know you've got the money in the bank. When you use the name of Jesus, when you come to understand what is there and what belongs to you, it's not, an essence, it's not an issue of having to exert great faith. You just know it's there. It belongs to me, and you just operate in it. 
Hallelujah. You shouldn't have to work your faith in the things that Jesus promised you in the name like a lot of believers have to do. It's just a given. It's a given. Is it, do you understand that? And, and what will happen is when you begin to understand that everything you have need of is in the name, those things will start coming to you and they'll stop surprising you. You'll just expect them. Should I say that again? They won't be surprising you. You'll just expect them. Is there anybody here that worked, you know, last couple weeks and it came payday, however you get paid nowadays. I don't know if they still give you a paper check or not. Or maybe they did, you know, direct deposit. But did it surprise you that you got a check? No. Because you'd worked 40 or 80 or 120 or however many hours you worked. That's why you went to work. You didn't go to work just because you like working. You went to work because you're getting a check. Would that be correct? I mean, it's at, at the very least, it's a perk, right? Didn't surprise you. When you looked in your account and saw your paycheck, you didn't go, well, praise the Lord, my goodness, they did pay me. No, you expected it. When you say, in the name of Jesus, then it shouldn't surprise you when it shows up. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see that? Say out loud, I will not be surprised when it shows up in my life. Those of you that are believing for debt freedom, you're not going to be surprised when it shows up. And it's going to show up. It's going to show up. Amen. Glory be to God. 1 Peter 2 and uh, 24, a familiar scripture, but notice... Who in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Is that right? Well, notice, according to this, he saved us from sin and saved us from sickness. Is that right? Well, they all come from the same source. Sin and sickness all come from the same source. Notice in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll add one more to it. Oh, glory to God. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. So he saved us from sin. He saves us from sickness and lack. And they all come from the same source. Lack comes from the devil. Sickness comes from the devil. Sin comes from the devil. They all come from the same source. But notice what it says in both of these scriptures. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Right? And with his stripes we're healed. Here it says that part of our redemptive package is that he became poor so we could be rich. Is that right? They all come from the same source. So here's the issue. We should not try to believe these things. We simply believe. Let me say it again. We shouldn't try to believe these things. We just believe them. Why? We're believing ones. 
Remember when the man came to Jesus? He had, he had the son that, that we say was the, had the epileptic demon, whatever it was. But the point is, is this. The, the, the disciples tried to cast him out and couldn't. They could have. But Jesus said it was a faith issue, not a fasting and prayer issue, a faith issue. Is that right? They said, why couldn't we cast him out? What did he say? Because of your unbelief. You didn't believe. You didn't believe you could. You had the power of the name. Remember uh, a chapter or so earlier, Jesus had given them power over the devil. They could have cast the devil out. They didn't have the faith. They didn't believe the, the authority that they had. Well, anyway, the man came to Jesus, and he said, uh, uh, Jesus said, how long has this been since it come on him? He said, since a, a, a baby, a child. And he said, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus made a statement, and then the Woos Bible is very plain. He said, as for this question of yours, if I can do anything, I am a believing one, and all things are possible to a believing one. So where believing is concerned, it's not an issue of if. You are a believing one. You just believe. Amen. See, all these things come from the same source. Sin, sickness, poverty, they all come from the same source. This is important. When I, because of the name of Jesus, I don't try to believe for those things. I just believe. It's mine. Hallelujah. I, I knew a young man one time that uh, had uh, uh, received a, uh, a, uh, oh, a settlement. Marie, you remember the young man? Trent or Trey, what was, her, what was her name? Lived across Trey. And, and he had been in an accident. Somebody had, had run into him in a vehicle and, and caused him a lot of problems. And it was rightful that he had this settlement. I forget how many hundreds of thousands of dollars it was. It was a lot of money. Well, this happened to him when he was a minor. And it was set up that he could not touch that money till he was 18. But, you know, he knew it was there. He was making plans for it. He didn't have to try to believe that money was there. It was there. He knew how much was there. And boy, when he, when he became an adult legally, he got it all. He didn't try to get it. It was there for him. You're not the sick trying to get well. You are the healed in Jesus' name. You're not the poor trying to get wealthy. You are blessed going in and coming out in Jesus' name name you are not a sinner saved by grace you are the righteousness of God in Christ in Jesus name not trying to believe for that it's what I am amen hallelujah so we simply believe we are believing one say that with me we are believing ones. say it one more time we are believing ones that settles the issue that settles the issue I've had people ask me, Pastor, you know, you, you'll be preaching or saying something. You'll go, I believe God. I believe God. I believe everything God said. Amen. Look at Hebrews 7. Am I helping you? Mercy. You see why we need our own building? We need a better air conditioner. <laughs> a cold air conditioner. Hebrews 7, maybe it's just because I'm preaching. Hebrews 7, verse 17. 
Hallelujah. Let me see here. I don't think that's what I want. I may have wrote this down incorrectly. Um, I will find it. Oh, there it is. It's Hebrews, Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. I put a 7 and it's Hebrews 6. Wherein God more willing to show uh, abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. This is important because the word immutability means the unchangeableness. If to receive anything from God, I have to see that what he has said is unchangeable. It cannot change. Amen? Confirmed it by an oath. So he was willing to show the unchangeableness of his counsel, his work. He personally confirmed it by swearing or taking an oath. That by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie. Well, what is it impossible? What are the two immutable things? God's promise and His oath. The promise is His word. His oath is His sworn promise to cause it to come to pass. Two immutable things in which it was impossible to God, for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So God's word and His oath or His promises are unchangeable. They're unchangeable. Is that right? The Word of God cannot fail any more than God can fail. Just can't. Because you can't separate God from His Word. You can't separate the Holy Spirit from the Word. You can't separate Jesus from the Word. Because, amen, because God has sworn and bound Himself to His Word with a blood covenant. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the truth or the spirit of the word. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes the word alive. God spoke it. Jesus carries the authority of it. And the Holy Spirit makes it a reality. Oh, glory be to God. If somebody that doesn't have the Holy Spirit picks this book up and reads it, it's just a book. I mean, it might, it might be entertaining. It might be, you know, neat. But it's just a book. But when you who are filled with the Holy Spirit pick the Bible up and begin to read it, something happens in your spirit and you realize in the spirit realm, everything I'm reading belongs to me. So the word can't change and it can't fail any more than God can fail. If we refuse God's word, we're saying God's a liar and his word's not true. When somebody says, well, you know, I was believing, but it didn't happen. They're saying God's word is not true and God lied. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. That's <laughs> what he's saying. Well, you know, I don't know why God didn't do it. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hang on. What do you mean God didn't do it? How, how's that possible? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, we've all had faith failures. No, no, faith doesn't fail. Amen. We've all had times that we have not met the conditions. Yes. 
But God's word and God's faith never fail. Never fail. This is important. Amen. Do you see this? Hallelujah. Because God, God and His Word cannot fail. All unbelief is a challenge to God's integrity. All unbelief. It's a challenge to God's integrity. When someone says, well, you know, I, I just don't know if I believe that. That's a challenge to God's integrity. Did God say it? Remember in the book of Numbers, remember what it says about God? It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, shall he not do it? Has he spoken it, will he not make it stand fast? Why? God is bound to this word. Amen. You remember when Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The throne of God is connected to his integrity. If God ever fails to do what he said, then he just lied. And if he lied, the whole thing ceases to exist. Because everything God is is based on truth. So back of the word is the throne of God. And so what God has done, if we could say it this way in explanation, God has put the throne on the line by giving you his word. And then he gave you the name of Jesus to back it up. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. And, and as people of faith, that's how you have to view unbelief. Unbelief is a direct challenge to God's integrity. Well, do you think God will? That's a challenge to God's integrity. Did he tell you to ask anything in his name? Did he tell you to do that? If you ask anything in my name, he said the Father would do it for you. And then he said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Amen. Amen. But I've got to get to the point where I just ask. Now, religion will say, well, now, brother. You know, when you ask, there's three possible answers. I got a good theological answer for that. Baloney. <laughs> Not three possible answers. You know what they are. Yes, uh-huh. no, and maybe. Uh-huh. No, that's not what the Bible says. He said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll do it for you. So he said, just believe that. Just believe that. What, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. He said, if you don't ask, you cannot receive. Remember what James said? You have not because you ask not. Right? And Jesus gave us two illustrations. The woman that came and was dealing with the unjust judge. And he's showing us how effective prayer in the name of Jesus changes things. She was dealing with somebody that didn't want to help her. She was dealing with somebody that didn't didn't care about her. But she just kept coming and asking. And finally, what did he say? 
I don't fear God and I don't regard man. But this woman is troubling me with her continual coming and so I'm going to avenge her of her adversaries. He's not saying that you got to worry God and get on his last nerve before he'll finally do something. He says, look what asking will do even when the, un, the judge is unjust and wicked. This woman's asking eventually changed the issue. And he said, if you ask, the father will quickly do what you ask him to do. Speedily he'll do it. Whew. Right? And then he said, you know, the guy's in bed, he's asleep. And his friend comes and knocks on the door and said, I've had a guest come. You know, get out of bed and give me something. Give me some food. I don't know, maybe he didn't go to Kroger or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> right? But it said, because of the guy's importunity, because he kept asking, he said he's going to get out of bed and give him what he needs. He said, how much more will your father give what you ask him? If this guy is in bed, you know how it is when you're in bed. Man, you're relaxed, you're the, just the right temperature, and you're, 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 you're comfortable, right? You're, you're, you're in the sweet spot, right? Yeah, a sweet spot usually gets you when you need to get up and pray. You know, you're just so comfortable. And somebody knocks on the door. What's the first word out of your mouth? Who is that? And you're thinking, I'm comfortable. Right? Or somebody calls and you look at the phone and it's your best friend. So what do you do? You get up and answer the phone. Were you comfortable? Yes. But your friend had called you and asked you for something. Amen. And God says this, if you'll just come and be importunity, if you will just show up and use the name of Jesus... I'll do it for you speedily. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Faith in the name of Jesus and the Word is the stabilizer of our whole spiritual nature. It stabilizes everything. Faith in the name of Jesus and the Word is the stabilizer of our whole spiritual nature. Because I have faith in the Word and faith in the name of Jesus. That makes me stable. The enemy is always after the integrity of the word in your life. Because if he gets you to doubt the word, he, he's got you. I have no stability. Isaiah said that wisdom and knowledge would be the stability of our days. Proverbs chapter 1 says that the purpose of the book of Proverbs, indeed the whole scripture, is to understand wisdom and knowledge. And Isaiah said wisdom and knowledge would be the stability of our days. You only get wisdom and knowledge from the Word of God. So when you get the Word of God, you get stability. Amen. And when you, get, you operate in the name of Jesus, your entire spiritual nature is stabilized. Now what place does confession hold? Well, notice Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. I'm not going to be before you much longer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Whew. 
glory be to God. Uh, the Lord said to me twice, you go back there and you tell him this, that the enemy's trying to pull the same trick. But I saw something behind you in the spirit realm, and you do whatever you want to do with this. I saw the angel of the Lord behind you, and he had a long rope, and he's pulling. And the things the enemy's trying to bring back into your life, God said, you tell him I've sent the angels on assignment, and they're going to stop it. And if he'll keep his faith and keep his confession in line, it won't come on him again. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. Not coming, Gary. It's not coming. You've got too much to do, man. You've got too much to do for God. God did not send you to all of those crusades that he sent you to with all those great men of God that you helped and you worked in those crusades and you were under that anointing, God didn't send you to all those places for you to just go down the drain and not do what God wanted you to do. Brother, that anointing's still on you and it's still in you and you're going to walk in it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. I believe God. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Boy, that'll make you shout right there. We're holy brethren and partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus. The original says confession. The apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus. There in chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So that word confession, it means witnessing a confession of our lips. It can also mean to say the same thing. But confession holds the same place in our faith walk as it does in our salvation. You can't get saved without confession. You got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So our faith is measured by our confession. We never believe, we never will believe beyond our confession. I just can't. Amen. Charles Capp said this. He said that people, when they face challenges, that they pick up the words the world is speaking and they begin to declare those things and they establish those in their life. And he said, and when they do that, he said, those believers that do that corrupt their own inheritance. He said that in 1978, North Carolina. They corrupt their own inheritance. Well, why? Because something can be yours and if your confession, it's not just negative and positive. If your confession is contrary to what God said, you corrupt your inheritance. Amen. So our faith is measured by our confession. This is important. Because I never believe beyond my confession. You'll hear people say, you'll say, well, how's it going? Well, I'm pretty good under the circumstances. And then they'll go, oh, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. Because you can't believe beyond your confession. Now, now this is the challenging part of faith at times. As Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
I, I told you this morning, there's a, a gentleman that I, that I deal with, and I, and I love him. He's a great man, great Christian man. But uh, I, I learned not to ask him how it's going. Because <laughs> I'm going to get 20 minutes of unbelief. And I'm trying to get out of there. Amen. <laughs> I said, well, you know, but this, this is getting better. Well, yeah, but, okay, oh, whoa, hang on, okay. Faith is not just keeping a good thought. And we're talking about faith in the name of Jesus. Our faith is measured by our confession. The danger of two confessions is that one would line up with God's word and the other would line up with doubt and fear. That's the danger of two confessions. It is the way God said. Period. Right? I am blessed. Yeah, but. No, there's no but. I am blessed. It is how God said. Right? Because that is... My confession. And, and, and remember that word confession is witnessing a confession of our lips. When I declare in the face of whatever, I am blessed going in and coming out. I am witnessing by my confession that not only do I believe the word, but the word's true. This is what Jesus said. This is what I have. Amen. Our last confession will either strengthen or destroy our last prayer. Father, I thank you that all of our needs are met. I thank you that we're blessed going in and coming out. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Now I get up and I walk in the living room. Dear Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. We got bills coming in left and right. It's just, my Lord, I don't know if we're going to make it. Your confession just destroyed your last prayer. When you say something, you pray in line with what you say. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Remember, in Jesus' name. Now, when you get up and you talk to people, you don't talk like you're not healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Yeah, but I see you're facing a challenge. Yeah, but I'm healed. There's no scripture that says I'm healed if I'm not facing a challenge. It says I'm healed, period. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I, I was looking at a letter just the other day that, that uh, 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 a dear sister in the, in the church had given us. And, and I think I read it here as well. Uh, Pam, it was your letter that you, that you gave me. And we read it to the church. And, and how her doctor was just basically amazed at the levels and the way things have changed. And, and how she was talking the word and declaring the word. And then to see it black and white on paper. This was the level and now this is the level. This is what was wrong and now it's not wrong. And you declare that in the name of Jesus. And you keep your confession right. When we confess anything contrary to the word, we deny the word. These words should never come out of your mouth. I'm sick. Yeah, but what if I'm, what if I'm sick? But you're, the Bible says you're healed. So what are you doing? You're taking healing. It's not, it's not just semantics. It's not just, it's not just definition of term. 
are you healed? Then when, when that sickness tries to attack your body, are you any less healed? Are you with me? Are you any less healed? So should your confession change? So are you healed if you feel healed or are you healed regardless? Regardless. Why? Because I've declared it in the name of Jesus. Most people's victory is lost or won at the point of their confession. It's just, it's just you can, when you declare in the name of Jesus, I am healed, I am blessed, I am well, I'm at peace, I have victory. Don't ever go back on that and deny it. Amen. I remember one time I went, uh, uh, a friend of mine, I called a friend of mine to find out if he wanted to go riding motorcycles. One day I had some time. And so we, we uh, uh, there's a big lake in uh, up around, uh, 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 not too far from Lawrence, Kansas there. And uh, we went up, we were riding around the lake. And, and I knew that he was going through some challenges. He had a, he had a, a very good sized church at one point. And when, when all of the, the uh, sneaker, I mean seeker friendly, uh, movement came out uh, it impacted his church it really did and uh, 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 I knew he was facing some challenges and uh, he's in heaven today but I was talking to him there and I said well man how's it going and and I'll never forget what he said he said I'm on the victory side I knew what he was going through and it looked like anything but victory but you know he come out of that because he has victory Victory, you don't have it because it appears you have it. You have it because the Bible says, now thanks be unto God that always causes us to triumph. Uh-huh. And what are, you, what, are you, what are you in that with? In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Is that right? Amen. Amen. So if I confess anything contrary to the word, now that's a strong statement. If I confess anything contrary to the word, I deny the word. Well, you can't deny the facts. I'm not denying the facts. I'm denying the right for the facts to rule me. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If someone wanted you to deny your confession of faith in Christ, would you? Because you know what's, what's happened. You believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord and you're saved. You will not deny that. You can't deny any other confession and expect it to work for you. Yeah, but I don't feel well. It's, it, listen, if you don't feel well, that's one thing. But you don't allow a feeling of not feeling well to cause you to confess that you have something that Jesus redeemed you from. Right? Amen. You know, I'm married. And I'm married wherever I go. I cannot deny it. Don't want to. Because when I stood before the Lord and stood before that minister, I made a confession. Right? That I'll be with you in the good times and the bad times, no matter what comes, till death do us part. Is that right? Can't go back on that confession. So when someone says, hey, brother, are you married? That's not up to the circumstances that you're in. 
You're married regardless of the circumstances you're in. Can I tell you, you're healed no matter how you feel? You're blessed no matter how it looks? You have the victory no matter what it looks like? Amen? Everything God promised you is coming to you? Regardless of how slow or how, how long it may seem to be taking? Why? You asked and you declared it in the name of Jesus. God is honor bound to cause it to come to pass. Hallelujah. So our confession has to absolutely agree with God's word. This is what the word says. This is my confession. Amen. Keith Moore sings a song, My Body May Change. With symptoms, symptoms, signs, and pains as the devil tries to make me say I'm sick, but like a dog with the bone. Amen? He must leave me alone. My body may change, but my confession stays the same. Amen? Right? Because you asked for it in the name of Jesus. If you've prayed in Jesus' name, hold fast to that confession. This is what the Word says. I remember years ago, I was, pro- I, well, I wasn't probably, I was, I was 19 years of age, and I was living in Garden City, Kansas. And, uh, well, I would have been 18 at this time. And uh, uh, I was uh, going to a, a Pentecostal church there, and my father had come to preach at that church. Or actually, excuse me, had come into town and was holding a meeting at another church. And, uh, uh, of course, I was helping him out. And uh, this man came and started coming to the meeting. He liked the preaching of faith. And uh, he was battling, uh, uh, what they call it, muscular dystrophy. And, and it was trying to come on him. And he had been a diesel mechanic and had, had made a good living. And uh, I'll never forget one day I walked uh, 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 in the foyer of the church. My dad meeting had finished and we were back at our home church. And uh, this man went to the church there. And, and because of what he was battling, his, his legs would lock up. And he came walking into the church, and I saw him. He didn't know I saw him, but uh, his legs locked up. And he stood there in that foyer. And here's what he said. Legs, I command you to move in Jesus' name. I have received my healing. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, and you are going to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, it took a minute, but then he took off. Now, I moved before he got the, the complete manifestation, but I promise you, I know that guy got healed. I just know it. You hold fast to that confession. What was your last confession? If you've prayed in Jesus' name, then you hold fast to that. Yeah, but things have changed since then. The Word hasn't. Right? Yeah, but I went back to the doctor and they said, yeah, but the Word hadn't changed. You prayed in Jesus' name. Remember, everything that we see Jesus in the four Gospels doing, the name Jesus does now. And do you remember when uh, 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 the nobleman came to Jesus and he said, Sir, my son's sick at home. And he said, Would you come lay hands on him? And of course, Jesus, you know, he said, uh, 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 encouraged him and built him up. And then he said this, he said, uh, uh, go your way, your son's healed. Right? And, and the man, it says the man went home and got there the next day, and they met him and said, oh, your son's well. And he said, uh, what time, watch this, did he start getting better? 
They said, 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. He began to amend. Is that right? So it wasn't instantaneous. He didn't just get better in a moment of time. He started getting better at 1 o'clock. When what? When Jesus said, your son is whole. When you have declared something in the name of Jesus, it's just like Jesus standing there at that nobleman with that nobleman saying, okay, it's done. Go your way, your son's whole. Go your way, your bills are paid. Go your way, your body's healed. Go your way, your family's saved. Well, Jesus didn't say it in Jesus' name. He didn't have to. He was Jesus. That's why we use the name of Jesus. And when we say this, when we say my body's healed in Jesus' name, it's just like Jesus is standing there with us saying, that's right, you're healed in my name. Well, what if it takes a couple days? What if it takes a couple months? What if it takes a few weeks? Begin to amend. You're getting, don't, don't let your confession go. I am what I declared I am. That's the battle of faith. That's the fight of faith. The fight of faith is to hold fast to your confession. Amen. It's too easy to destroy the effect of prayer with a negative confession. Too easy. Hallelujah. But when I say something's done in Jesus' name, it's done. It's done. Do you see that? If, if you're dealing with things in your body, before we leave, we're going to speak to it in Jesus' name. Because when Jesus used Mark 11, when he, when he spoke the words in Mark 11, 22 through 24, that was, that was not just a faith trick. That was, that was a primer on how to exercise your authority. That if you see a mountain, you see something in your life that shouldn't be there, if you will take, and we could say it this way without hurting the scripture, if we'll speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus, it'll move. I'll have whatever I say in Jesus' name. So that sickness, that problem, that issue could be likened to a mountain, and when you tell it to go in Jesus' name, Jesus said it would obey you. Is that right? Remember when he was talking about the, the, the sycamore tree in the book of Luke? And he said, the, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. He said, oh, if you had faith, you would say. Remember when they came to him about forgiveness? And Jesus said, no, it's 70 times 70. They said, oh, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, well, if you had faith, you would say. Say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Is that right? So whatever you may be dealing with or whatever may be the issue tonight in the name of Jesus, it's going to be plucked up and it's going to obey you. Well, how can you be sure? Because the Word says it. I, I only have to be sure that it's in the Word for it to be true. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, you know, and, 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 and I'm saying this because the, the Holy Spirit has me waiting for a moment. I was talking to a minister the other day and, and they were telling me, well, you know, it's kind of hard for me to minister to, to uh, you know, to people that are in addiction and these different things because I've never been in that life and I don't know. And I just told him, I said, well, you don't have to have been in that life to believe the power of God will work. That's it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 
Listen, I'm not putting him on blast, but Larry Price sitting right here was one of the worst addicts the world ever knew. Am I, am I lying? Was. Amen. But in a moment of time, on the floor in DeSoto, Kansas, he was absolutely free. Amen. Became a teddy bear for Jesus. You don't have to have ever seen it to believe it'll work. You just got to believe it's in the Word. Right? Hallelujah. So that's, that's, that's what I'm asking the Lord tonight. Is not only for that thing to move, but for you to have evidence of it tonight. Amen. Whatever it may be. If it's cessation of pain, mobility in your body, whatever it may be. I'm believing God that you're going to experience that tonight. Not to prove God's word's true, but just so you can see God's going to do what he said he would do. Amen? I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah.